You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rowan is solo here for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. If you can't listen live or can only catch a portion of the show live, don't worry. You can always check it out on demand anytime you want. Just go to your podcast, search for full-time fantasy, hit subscribe, and you'll be notified whenever a new show is uploaded. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88. Check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. We have the Fantasy Football Injury Report. We have the Fantasy Football Weekly Snap Counts, Waiver Wire Pickups, and the Fab Blind Bidding Guide, all up there now to help you get set to get the players you need off the waiver wire. So make sure you check that out. My waiver wire article is up at si.com slash fantasy. My stock watch will be posted on Sports Illustrated tomorrow as well. And if you have any specific questions, you can ask them on the message boards and the forums. And, you know, the next day or two should be waiver wire pickups, roster maintenance, you know, wait on the start sit, you know, if you want the best information, because there's just always a lot of things that happen late in the week that we didn't know. And, you know, I don't want to give you an answer on a start sit on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then all of a sudden that information changes and you don't come back. So start sits best, you know, to start asking on Friday. Obviously, if you have players involved in the Thursday game, that's fine. But, you know, you should always wait on that. You know, you can set a preliminary lineup. But kind of wait till we have the most information. And obviously that Friday practice and injury report is key as uh, some things could emerge. Uh, you know, players get hurt uh, the last minute. And Rashad Penny, perfect example last week. I probably would have recommended him in some situations where people were hurting at running back uh, because it was looking like he was getting more touches. And Chris Carson was having a fumbling issue, which surfaced again in week three. Unfortunately, Penny hurt his hamstring in Friday practice and was out. So... A lot of things can happen late in the week, so make sure you wait to have the most information at your disposal before making those tough decisions. I'll have Fantasy Taz from FFChamps.com. He's going to join me at 3.40 p.m. Eastern. Uh, But let's now take a look at last night's game and what it means for fantasy. So the Bears beat the Redskins 31-15. They covered the spread. I think for the most part, everyone expected the Bears to be in control of this game. The Redskins have just been terrible, especially on Monday night. I believe they're 2-17 and 17 in their last home games on Monday night. Uh, they were down 28-3 at the half, so they did at least make it somewhat competitive in the second half. But for me, you know, a lot of people are complaining about the Bears' backfield today and how they really didn't get heavily involved. I looked at this game. Matt Nagy was saying, we got to get Mitchell Trubisky right. We got to get his confidence growing. And they looked at this matchup and said... This is the matchup to do it, going against the Redskins. He obviously looked terrible the first two weeks of the season, and the Redskins have really been vulnerable against quarterbacks and given up a lot of production fantasy-wise. So Trubisky got going, 25 at 31, 231 pass yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Obviously didn't do much in the second half. They didn't even have a touchdown in the second half. They had three points in the second half because they kind of just scaled back a little bit and, and became less aggressive. And you know Trubisky still is a concern long-term. Uh, he has not played well or looked well this year. Uh, but if you did have to use him this week, like I did in a super flex league, at least he came through with that performance. Uh, but certainly there's a lot, a lot of uh, 
uncertainty going forward with Trubisky. Uh, as far as the running backs, look, David Montgomery, I mean, his owners were complaining early on because he just wasn't getting the touches, and a lot came here in the fourth quarter. He was 13 for 67 and three catches for 14 yards. It's uh, been a disappointment so far for him. Uh, it does look like he is the lead in this backfield, though. That's the one positive because it didn't look that way in week one, if you remember, and we did see a lot of Mike Davis in week one, but that kind of has changed. It looks like Montgomery is the guy in this backfield right now. It's just not a great offense. Uh, Montgomery played 66.7% of the snaps, so you like to see that. Tariq Cohen was at 48.5%, and we barely saw Mike Davis play anymore. So Montgomery obviously is the back to play here. We did see Corderell Patterson get four carries for 14 yards, so they mixed him in a little bit. Uh, but Montgomery is the main back in this backfield. Tariq Cohen is just, I think it's going to be inconsistent from week to week. You know, I was definitely concerned about Tariq Cohen before the year. He was on uh, one of my players that was going to be a bust. I just thought the role would diminish. I thought Montgomery would be involved in the passing game. You know, last year we didn't see Jordan Howard involved in the passing game a lot. So it allowed Tariq Cohen to be in there in passing situations at third downs. It's not going to be as frequent this year. You know, he might be on the field, but I don't see as many touches. Week one, he lined up in the slot quite a bit. Uh, that was probably because Anthony Miller was banged up, but we haven't seen it as much. So it, it's tough. Uh, this is a team that's tough for fantasy purposes. You know, there's talent here, but you can't count on it from week to week. You know, Taylor Gabriel had a huge game. Six receptions, 75 yards, and three touchdowns on seven targets. And I'm sure if you had him in a deep league, he probably wasn't in your lineup. And he's more suited for best ball. So... Don't run out and spend a ton of money on Taylor Gabriel because of this performance. And there will be people who do it. You know, people chase all the time. And it's a mistake that the inexperienced player makes. You know, I, I, I'm not even sure if he's available in one of my leagues that's really deep. And I see people spend two, 300 bucks every week on players that just have a big game and then vanish. You can't do that. You can't be chasing. So Gabriel is definitely a guy that's chasing. Allen Robinson came through. If you needed him, I needed 10 points from him. He gave me 12, 6 for 60 on seven targets. He had 5 for 46 early on. But, again, they scaled back to passing. And I think also the target for Gabriel was Norman was on Robinson. Not that they shot away from him, but I think it allowed Gabriel to exploit other areas of the secondary and get open. Trey Burton, 4 for 20. I mean, it's, you can't even really have confidence in him at the tight end position right now. And, man, Anthony Miller, this guy's really talented, but he is barely involved in this offense right now. He only has one catch for 15 yards on three targets. He played very well last year, basically with one shoulder, but it hasn't happened. And he did have an injury right before the season, but he's just not involved in this offense enough right now. And uh, probably if you are rostering him, he's going to be dropped in a lot of leagues because uh, there's just not enough involvement here in this offense. But, you know, for the Bears, it really is tough right now. The only guys that you really feel confident starting on a week-to-week basis is David Montgomery and Allen Robinson at this point uh, because we have not seen Mitch Trubisky take that step. You know, we saw him last year get off to the strong start and then obviously got hurt, came back, and wasn't as good. We heard reports in training camp that he was not accurate and really struggling, and it is definitely translated into the season. So it was a good performance for him last night, but you have to look at the opponent against the Redskins. If he did not get a, a good game under his belt, it would have been even worse. Uh, but it's still, it's not the ideal scenario here for the Bears offense. They have not taken that next step up. When we return, we'll look at the Redskins side of the football and go over the latest headlines across the football world. It is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Tuesday afternoon as we prepare for week four, week three in the books. So time to hit those waiver wires and uh, bye weeks begin this week. The 49ers and the Jets will not play this week. We'll go over some of the top headlines in just a second. Uh, but wanted to take a look at the Redskins side of the football from last night. And obviously we knew this was going to be a difficult matchup going up against that staunch Bears defense. And I doubt many people are using Case Keenum even in super flex leagues. But hey, it is getting desperation time now, right? With all the injuries that we had and Ben Roethlisberger being out for the year. So maybe some people had to use them. Uh, were kind of forced to. Uh, and it was a disaster early on. He actually salvaged his day. Uh, by playing better in the second half, but too many turnovers, too many sacks. Uh, so overall, it was a disappointing day. But again, for fantasy purposes, as long as you weren't penalized too much for those interceptions, you got 332 passing yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, but he took four sacks. Also had three fumbles, losing two. So all those turnovers, just a disaster for Keenum yesterday. Look, Adrian Peterson is game script dependent, and I think you knew in this game, we all expected the Redskins to play from behind. So to me, you can't use him. You know, he was very impressive last year, but this is a bad Redskins team right now. And you, there, I don't think there's going to be many games where they're favored or playing from ahead. So that's really going to limit Peterson. It helps Chris Thompson, especially in PPR, because you know he's going to be on the field more when they play from behind. He had seven carries for 29 yards and four receptions for 79 yards. I actually did have to play him. In a PPR format, fortunately, I did win that league because uh, my receivers, where I start four of them, uh, were just money in the bank this week uh, with Keenan Allen being one of them. So uh, when you have an RB2 like Thompson, that's kind of all you hope for in a PPR. Just get me to double-digit points. He was able to do that in this game. Terry McLaurin is tremendous. I mean, he has looked really good. You know, he, he, was, he went up against Byron Jones in Week 2 of Dallas and had a pretty good game. And another good game here. You know, eight targets, six receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. He scored in three straight weeks. I mean, he's been one of the best values in drafts. Obviously, he was picked up off the waiver wire in some leagues after week one, week two. But obviously, in the high-stakes leagues with 20 rounds, he was drafted. And, man, he is one of the best values right now. He has just produced week in, week out. And I think the graphic was uh, that I saw last night, I think he's the first receiver in NFL history to have at least – I think it was at least 50 receiving yards and a touchdown in each of his first three games. I believe that was it. Um, or I think that was the stat. But, yeah, I mean, look at the lines he's put up. You know, uh, five for 125 and a touchdown in week one, five for 62 and a touchdown in week two, and six for 70 and a touchdown uh, last night. So he's not going to score a touchdown every week, but this is an offense that will be passing a lot, playing from behind, and it's going to put – McLaurin in a position to get a ton of targets, uh, and he had uh, eight last night. So a uh, tough guy to, to bench right now, and I do have him in, in a league where I can't get him in the lineup. I just strength at wide receivers, uh, and unfortunately there's no trades in that league. So uh, I could really use a running back, and I wish I could move him, but I just have better receivers. But he is someone that pretty much is uh, – Someone that can be in lineups every single week at this point, especially with the bye weeks coming up. 
Paul Richardson had a good game here. Nine targets, eight for 83, and a touchdown. You know, he's kind of always had the talent. We saw flashes with Seattle, and we just haven't didn't see it happen. He's battled some injuries with Washington. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to have occasional games like this. He has now scored two weeks in a row, but he has 19 targets in three games. So I don't think you can count on him every week, maybe in a deeper league. Again, this is a team that should be playing from behind. They do have a good matchup this week against the Giants. Giants not great on defense, so maybe he does become a, a deep sleeper potentially this week. Uh, but I don't think he's someone that you can count on consistently, not someone that I'm looking to uh, make a priority as a pickup. We know Jordan Reed might have to retire due to all the concussions. Uh, so Vernon Davis becomes you know, not the most desirable tight end. He had two for 30 and four targets. We know how tough that position is, but... You know, he's still very athletic, although he made a leap last night when he didn't have to. <laughs> so it was basically like he was playing a video game and hit the wrong button. But uh, Vernon Davis, again, a tight end, too. Uh, there's just not going to be consistency there week to week. But how many tight ends can we say that about? The Trey Quinn, 5 for 30 on 7 targets. Just not a big play guy. We'll rack up some reception. So in deeper PPR formats, he's, you know, okay. But, again, not someone that you can rely on from week to week. Uh, some of the other top stories from today that we're paying attention to, obviously we got Green Bay and Philly this week on Thursday night. So uh, Philadelphia has some injuries at the wide receiver position, and this is going to be important as we kind of figure out who to play uh, for Philadelphia. So Deshaun Jackson is expected to miss the game. He's got that abdomen injury. I don't think we expected him to play. Uh, Doug Peterson said he's probably a little further away, and he's probably not going to be there this week. So I wouldn't think he's going to play. So he's out. So that's at least we got some clarification there. All Sean Jeffrey dealing with this calf injury, they do expect him to play. That's what Doug Peterson said. Now that can change. They're really not practicing much on a short week. Maybe he goes through warmups. It doesn't feel great. So at least it's a Thursday game if you're an all Sean Jeffrey owner. And, you know, this is a decision you can't make today. We don't know if he's going to play. We don't know how he's going to respond. You know, he's probably not 100%. I'm sure the Eagles are trying to get him out there because they're one and two, and they're trying to get a win here before things start to, to go south too quickly. And, uh, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I guess, is dealing with a heel injury too, and, you know, he disappointed. He had a big drop late in that game. I, I thought he would be someone that would get an opportunity to merge, but didn't look like it. Uh, and obviously, Nelson Aguilar, who had the big game this past week with two touchdowns, you know, he's still potentially in play as well. So we really have to wait for the injury information here with Philadelphia to see how this sorts out. Saquon Barkley, uh, Chris Mortensen of ESPN is reporting that Barkley will receive a second opinion on his injured ankle. So right now they're saying four to eight weeks, uh, but I guess he, maybe he's hoping to return sooner. Uh, and it's, it's a tough spot if you own Barkley, you know, especially in a deeper format. Obviously, Wayne Goldman's probably out there on the wave wire in several leagues. I know in a lot of the high-stakes leagues, he's not. And I wouldn't spend a ton of money on him. And I mentioned this before. I think if you're a Saquon Barkley owner and you're somehow 0-3, you probably look to trade him because, okay, maybe the best-case scenario is he comes back in three weeks. I mean, you could be 1-5 at that point. So uh, what you should do is look at the teams that are 3-0 and and look at their roster and go, okay, is there someone that could help me the next week or two? Obviously, you hope longer, but you're kind of week to week at this point. You know, it also depends on your playoff structure. Let me clarify that. 
if your total points matter and you're second and third in points, but you're just about only three, then it's obviously not as dire because you know you got the points. Now you just kind of have to find a replacement that holds the fort until Barkley returns. But if you're 0-3 and it's top six, six records only and the points don't matter, yeah, you, you gotta, you're kind of week-to-week at this point. You know, you can't think and say, well, Barkley will come back week eight, week nine, and I'll be fine. No, you might be done by the time you get to that point. So it is a good week for trades. You know, also, if you're 3-0, and look at those teams that are 0-3. Uh, there's panic. Trust me. They're definitely panicking. They're concerned. Even with the players that we think should not be traded or are by lows, uh, they want to they wanna trade them away. I can tell you one guy that I have seen that people feel that way about is Devontae Adams. People are very disappointed in Devontae Adams right now. I would be buying low on him. Definitely. If you see an 0-3 team with Devontae Adams, I would be sending offers now because this week he's going to have a big game against that Philadelphia secondary. And, you know, Adams has had a couple tough matchups. And also, Green Bay has been very conservative as far as the pass. I mean, we saw it against the game against the Vikings. They were up 21-0. They didn't score the rest of the game. So that's not going to happen every week. They've been fortunate. They've been kind of controlling the game. And I don't think that continues. So I think he's a a really good guy to kind of buy low on today uh, because his owners are very, very concerned. This is a guy you took in the first round through three weeks, doesn't have a touchdown. And only had four receptions in week three. So people look at the latest results. They don't think ahead. And especially when a guy is not contributing to your team and it's resulting in losses, they want to cut ties. We know there's going to be good games ahead. And that's what the successful trading owner will do. They'll trade for the guy that hasn't had the big games yet and you know they're ahead. He's going to have a Mike Evans type game in the next couple weeks and it could be as soon as Thursday so he's a buy low when we return we'll look at more headlines including a receiver that could sit out this week we'll talk about it next here on full-time fantasy hey thanks for downloading this podcast if you want to listen live be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for fantasy sports radio network thanks for listening and enjoy the show It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo here for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, where listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus up to $500. Here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make a deposit, place your first bet, and DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users, plus new users will get a risk-free bet of up to $200. Just go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details and did have a little action over on DK Sportsbook this weekend. Hit a, a couple of parlays. Needed the Cowboys to cover 22 points to uh, finish the third leg of the parlay. So thank you, Tony Pollard, for scoring that late touchdown and ensuring the victory uh, for me. So usually don't like to bet on my team, the Cowboys, but thought they would be able to cover that large spread at home against Miami, even though they didn't play great in the first half. Uh, better in the second half and just uh, kind of betting on the ineptitude of Miami, who has been absolutely horrendous so far. Taking a look at some of the other news here of what's going on in the NFL. 
Big story to follow this week is T.Y. Hilton. He's got this quad injury. It forced him to leave the game in week three. And it was apparently an issue in practice, too, last week. And, you know, the trainers or medical staff, I guess, said they were fearful that he would tear it. Uh, That doesn't sound good. So uh, this is definitely uh, something that we have to watch this week because I don't think there's a clear-cut replacement here. It could be Deion Kane. It could be Paris Campbell. As I said, I like Jack Doyle this week. If you're looking for a George Kittle replacement, you know, Doyle had 448 last week. If Hilton's out, I think you could see more targets for Doyle. Uh, As far as the receivers, I mean, I like Paris Campbell talent-wise the most. The snaps are kind of spread out between Campbell, Pascal, uh, and Kane last week, but I think Campbell has the the most talent of it. But we'll see. I mean, there is a chance that Hilton plays. He said, if I can play, I'll play. Uh, that really doesn't show anything. Uh, so we're going to have to really follow the practice report this week with T.Y. Hilton. Vance McDonald was seen in a sling at the Steelers' facility today. Uh, remember, the Steelers don't play until Monday night, so... We'll have to see. That was one of the concerns with McDonald is the injuries throughout his career. He only played 15 snaps in week three. And boy, man, this is another hit at tight end. Not that McDonald was, you know, tearing it up, but you expected production from him. And, you know, the tight end position is thin as is. So the problem is this game's Monday night. Yeah, I don't think you can wait. Obviously, you know, they're playing the Bengals. Could always pick up Tyler Eifert if you have no one else. But hopefully there's a better option out there for you, maybe like a Will Disley. I would think he was picked up in a lot of weeks last week. You know, because Disley, to me, he felt like chasing because he had the two touchdowns in week two. But I had a a Hunter Henry team and was terrible at tight end. So I I picked up Disley. Uh, And it worked out this week. And obviously he's got the great matchup against Arizona. And Russell Wilson does look for him in the red zone. He's got five touchdowns in seven career games. Remember, he hurt his knee last year in week four, ended his season early. Uh, and he's come back. And look, Russell Wilson's looking for him. And I do think the Seattle defense is not what it was. Uh, I felt that way last year, and they were better than I thought. But they've been bad this year. It's catching up to them. And, you know, obviously they gave up the uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown and a punt return. So quick 14 points for the Saints. Uh, and I put them in a spot where they were playing from behind. And Russell Wilson had to put the ball in the air a lot. And at least this week, going against Arizona – who's been shredded by tight ends, should be a very, very high-paced game. And uh, more plays run by Seattle also could lead to more passing plays as well. C.G. Anderson worked out for the Texans today. They just are not giving Duke Johnson the football, and it sucks because I think he needs more touches, at least in the passing game, and went out and traded that draft pick, and it's just not happening. Also thought, you know, Anderson may be a possibility. The Giants are going to sign a running back, uh, I don't know when they'll do it, but they probably are having people in for workouts. Cam Newton, uh, definitely concerning here, uh, reportedly dealing with a list Frank injury. So uh, they're saying, at least according to the sources, no surgery yet, but it's probably going to take, you know, four to eight weeks for this to heal if there's no surgery. So the Panthers have a bye in week seven. So he's definitely going to miss a few games, and it wouldn't be surprising if we don't see Cam Newton the rest of the year. So I don't know if that's the case, but it's definitely something that we have to monitor. And there are situations where I, I could see dropping them. I mean, it's a quarterback position. Uh, it depends what's out there, but I have to look at my leagues tonight. I only have one 
League, an online championship, and the FFWC with Cam Newton. Fortunately, my other quarterback is Dak Prescott, so obviously I can roll with him pretty much every week. I know there's going to be some tougher matchups coming up for Dak, but I will have to uh, see what's on the waiver wire and decide what I'm going to do. Wanted to take a look at some uh, interesting running back snap percentages from last week to you know just give you guys some information here because we know we got a lot of murky backfields. The Green Bay one is the one that really stands out. Uh, Jamal Williams, 61% of the snaps. Aaron Jones, 39%. And Williams, 14 snaps. I mean, 14 touches to 11 for Jones. I mean, we knew Matt Floor came out and said, yeah, we're going to have to, you know, lighten the workload for Aaron Jones after he had 27 touches the week before and was really good. And then it goes in this direction. So it's really not what you wanted to see. Remember, Matt LaFleur's used Dylan Lewis out of Derrick Henry for most of the year. And then by the time they went to Derrick Henry and he started tearing it up, it was, you know, late in the season. So just keep that in mind. The Buccaneers, man, it's a tough backfield right now. I think Ronald Jones has looked the best. In this backfield, like two of the three weeks, obviously he didn't get much production in week two. Uh, Peyton Barber had 23 carries in week two, but he wasn't impressive at all. It was all volume. Uh, Jones just looks like he has more quickness and explosion this year. And Barber played 36% of the snaps from a game they were playing mostly from ahead. Jones played 30% and Ogman Wally 25%. So, look, it's... the. You can't really start anyone in this backfield now unless it's uh, a great matchup. Like, you thought Barber was a better play here, thinking, all right, the, the Bucks will play from ahead, and they did, even though they lost the game. But he kind of split the touches with Ronald Jones. So I think Ronald Jones is the guy that I would own, but it's really difficult to start any of them right now unless uh, you have major bye weeks. Probably don't need to go there this week. Uh, it's just the Jets and 49ers. So you do have Lev Bell, who is in pretty much everyone's lineup. Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert. So maybe you have to dip that far. But it's really tough to have confidence with that split and usage in the backfield. For Detroit, so first game fully without C.J. Anderson. Kerry Johnson, he got 75% of the snaps. And he did get the volume. He was very good. It was a tough matchup against Philadelphia. Much better matchup for him this week in Kansas City. Ty Johnson at 20% and J.D. McKissick 9%. So at least for this week, it's showing a willingness now to roll more with Kerryon Johnson. So that's a good sign for him going forward. In Philadelphia, you know, this is probably what most people expected. I know there was some hope of Miles Sanders emerging in this backfield, and I think it's still possible. But obviously the key for Miles Sanders is holding on to the football because he had two fumbles, and that was an issue for him in college at Penn State. So he did have a productive game from a fantasy perspective. He had double-digit points in PPR formats, but he's got to hold on to the football. So the snap percentage was Darren Sproles, 36%, Miles Sanders, 34%, and Jordan Howard, 33%. We are seeing Jordan Howard get the goal line looks, and this was also a game where they were playing from behind, so that's probably going to mean a little bit more Sproles. So that's definitely a dicey backfield. Hoping that Sanders emerges there, have a couple of shares of him, but when I drafted him, I knew that it could be this possibility early in the year, and uh, that's what we're seeing right now. So uh, it's all about Sanders holding on to the football. I think if he does, you'll start to see his role grow a little bit, and uh, he will be used uh, a lot more. Uh, we did see Todd Gurley play 74% of the snaps. Uh, I did see something about Sean McVay saying they needed to get Gurley the ball more, but... <laughs> 
I mean, I think this is the maintenance plan that they have with him. And it's not like he's looked great either. Uh, there's times where he looks fine, other times where he just kind of looks sluggish and doesn't have the same burst. So I think you knew that when you were drafting Todd Gurley. Uh, I was clearly anti-Gurley. And, you know, right now it looks good, but uh, we'll see if it holds up. And uh, that turns out to be a wise decision. But I just think that they are really going to be careful due to that arthritis in his knee. So uh, that's definitely something to uh, to keep in mind there. In Denver, Philip Lindsay, 56% of the snaps. Royce Freeman, 49%. So it's basically been a split, which is what we expected. Keep in mind that Freeman did leave this game for a period with a shoulder. Lindsay had a good game with the two touchdowns, but not very efficient. Uh, he did look really good on one of the touchdowns, where it looked like he was going to be tackled for no gain or a loss, and he was able to break free and into the end zone. So that's still kind of a split for me. Uh, at least Freeman is being involved in the passing game a little bit more. Uh, he's been getting targets the last two weeks, so that definitely raises his floor a little bit. But it's also a game where the Broncos ran a lot. I think they had about 36 carries between the two. That's not something they're going to be able to do every week. Uh, so just take that into account. Uh, San Francisco, we've talked about. It's just a muddled backfield. Matt Breida, 41%. Raheem Mostert, 30%. And Jeff Wilson, 27%. And Tevin Coleman could return in week five. That's going to make this even a more murky backfield with a lot of headaches. New England, talked about them before. Rex Burke had 74% of the snaps. Sony Michelle only 22% in the game that they controlled. So... I don't know if they're trying to scale him back to keep him healthy, but Sony Michelle just has not looked good this year. And Burkhead has looked a lot better. And Burkhead also a little bit more versatile. Now, the snaps for Burkhead, partly James White. He was not there due to the birth of his child. So, obviously, Burkhead played more. But uh, we did see Burkhead quite involved in week one as well. So, definitely something to keep an eye on there uh, for Sony Michelle owners. I definitely think there's some concern for him. When we return, I'm going to be joined by Fantasy Taz, Jim Day from FFChamps.com. We'll talk some of waiver wire pickups with him. When we return, it is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern. And joining me now, it is Fantasy Taz. You can find him at ffchamps.com. Hit him up on Twitter at Fantasy Taz and wish this man a happy birthday. Taz, thanks for taking the time out. Happy birthday, man. Hey, thanks, man. It's uh, it's fun. It's always nice having a birthday. And, um, so, But as you get older, they're just another day. So let's talk some football. That is true. I mean, I, I you said that when I was your age, but I feel the same way. Like, as I get older, it's like, eh, whatever, you know? Just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same. <laughs> no, no. Definitely enjoyed it a lot more when I was younger. Yeah, but now we enjoy life every day because we get to watch football, talk football, and play fantasy football. So we will get into that. Let's start. Uh, you're a big Giants fan. Daniel Jones making his first NFL start and obviously a very productive day. Four total touchdowns, including two rushing. And people are probably asking, you know, what do I do on the waiver wire? How much do I bid? People see one game, they get excited. Uh, you're a Giants fan. What did you like from what you saw? And can he be a fantasy football relevant quarterback going forward? 
Well, there was a lot of things I loved about him. First of all, the the fact that he just stood in there and, you know, was constantly looking downfield, even though he knew he was going to take a hit. I love that. You know, when you see a quarterback that doesn't show any fear in that face, I love that kind of thing. Um, Obviously, he, he was throwing some really nice balls, getting getting him where he had to get him, and that was a great thing. The only downside I saw from him is that he just doesn't seem to have any feel of the pressure coming in around him. Um, if, if he doesn't outright see it, you know, he just doesn't seem to have a feel for that it, it's coming, and that's what led to his two fumbles. So he needs to be able to either feel that or he really needs to start counting in his head and get rid of the ball at a certain point. Would you, if you needed some quarterback help, would you be aggressive if, in a fab league spending money on him? Or do you think there's going to be people out there that just spend too much? There might be people out there that spend too much, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go out there and make an attempt. Uh, you know, I did my fab article this morning, and in a league that had $1,000 overall, I was telling people to put, you know, I would put 220 230 240 maybe on them. Everybody's telling me that's too much. But to me, look, the kid gives you the upside of being able to run. Uh, we saw two touchdowns in his first game. Eli Manning never had two rushing touchdowns in a single season. Heck, he only had seven in his career. So we know, you know, in fantasy, those rushing touchdowns, those that rushing yardage is definitely a nice little addition to anything he could do through the air. And don't forget that in week five, he does get Golden Tate back. So then you'll have Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, who's tearing it up. Of course, also the Giants losing Saquon Barkley to this high ankle sprain. Looks like it's going to be four to eight weeks. So. Wayne Gallman is going to be one of the most sought-after running backs this week. Uh, is it worth spending up for him? We know, obviously, talent-wise, he's not Saquon Barkley, but what type of production can we expect from him, and is he worth spending 25 30% of the budget? See, there's the rub. First of all, he's a decent running back. Uh, the good thing about him is he can catch passes. He, he definitely is pretty good as a receiver out of the backfield. As a rookie, he had 34 receptions. So we know he has that aspect, which is good for fantasy. We want somebody who's going to catch passes. That helps. Whether or not he's going to be able to do a lot on the ground, you know, with defenses probably coming up to stuff him and get in Daniel Jones' face, it's going to be interesting to see. The other side of the coin is, don't be surprised at all if the Giants go out and bring somebody else in. Right now, they really don't have anybody they can count on behind Gallman. So don't be surprised if they're looking at like a C.J. Anderson or, heck, even a Jay Ajayi, somebody like that that they could bring in. And in that case, we may very well see a you know a timeshare here between the two of them. It's hard to say at this point. So, I, you know, if you need running back, then you have to try and be aggressive. And hopefully they don't bring anybody else in that's going to cut into Gallman work but just know that it could happen yeah i would definitely see them bringing in a running back you mentioned cj anderson he's actually working out for the texans today so we'll see what happens with that uh philip dorsett you know two weeks without antonio brown he's been productive playing a large amount of the snaps he could be available in quite a few leagues uh how aggressive would you be on philip dorsett if you needed a wide receiver he's my top ad of the week uh, I definitely am all in on, on Dorsett. Like you said, the two weeks they didn't have Antonio Brown, he was heavily involved in this offense, and I think that really continues to shine that way. And let's face it, if Edelman, you know, his injury wasn't bad, there, 
saying that everything was negative, but all he's got to do is take another hit. And maybe that changes. Same thing with Gordon. He came out with the dislocated finger. He should be fine. But if it happens again or something else happens, all of a sudden Dorsett steps right into a starting role in a very good offense right now. They're moving the ball. They're doing exactly what they want to do. So you want a piece of that. So I would be very aggressive with him. He's To me, he's the guy I want to get this week if he's still out there. Talking of fantasy Taz, you can find him at ffchamps.com. Darrell Williams was the Chiefs running back that was in after LaShawn McCoy. A lot of people thought it would be Darwin Thompson. That did not happen. And Williams looked pretty good. Obviously, we're not sure of the status of Damian Williams. LaShawn McCoy left with that ankle injury, and they said that Andy Reid said after the game, he said, okay, but who knows? Uh, what about Darrell Williams this week as a pickup? See, I like Darrell Williams a lot. Uh, I do. I think he's a, a good play. I, I talked about him last week when everybody else was saying Darnell Thompson. You know, don't be surprised. They used Darrell Williams a lot last year when they needed him, and he played well for him, and we saw that. He played well for him this time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Damian Williams comes back, but that's the downside of spending a lot of money on Darrell Williams now. If Damian Williams comes back and is healthy, and if McCoy is healthy, then Darrell Williams goes back to being that third guy that, you know, sub every once in a while type of guy that's not going to give you every week fantasy value. Uh, Green Bay backfield right now. We saw Jamal Williams play 61% of the snaps, Aaron Jones 39%. Right after Matt LaFleur came out and said, yeah, we got to ease up on Aaron Jones' workload after he had 27 touches the week before. Is this going to be a pain every single week, and is it a problem for Aaron Jones and owners? It is a problem. There's no doubt about it. Uh, look, it, uh, I just don't get it. I don't know what this guy is seeing to, to think that uh, Wilkin, I mean, uh, Williams can really play on a par with Aaron Jones. I don't see that. When I see the two of them running, Aaron Jones, to me, is the far superior running back. And, you know, I just don't get the fact that you're trying to limit him so much. To to me, that it's just bad coaching. These guys are trying to be too much. What I, what I think we're seeing now is a lot of coaches that see, look, Bill Belichick runs multiple backs all the time. He doesn't need one. He wants a different piece to do everything, like a Swiss Army knife running back committee. And I think more and more teams are trying to, you know, copy that and start using that. You know, for in an NFL standpoint, it makes sense. For fantasy, it truly sucks. Oh, it does. I mean, the San Francisco <laughs> San Francisco backfield is a prime example. I mean, and who knows what's going to happen when Tevin Coleman comes back potentially in week five. I mean, that, that backfield is a nightmare right now. It is, absolutely. you got Philadelphia the same way. Do you see uh, Miles Sanders eventually emerging out of this Philadelphia backfield? I know the – Well, they keep saying that, but we saw more Jordan Howard this week, and again we saw Darren Sproles pretty much split the uh, the snaps in between the three of them, which really is a pain in the neck. Um, I think, you know, Sanders makes some big plays, but he also makes a lot of negative plays because he dances too much behind the line of scrimmage. We know he has ball control issues. He's still not great at picking up the blitz. So that, you know, that continues to, to hinder him. We know he's a good running back. Give him the ball. He can make things happen. But you keep making those other mistakes, and that all comes against you. Deontay Johnson, they said, is going to be in the starting lineup going forward as Dante Moncrief could not catch the football. <laughs> no, he could not. 
And Johnson had three receptions, 52 yards, and a touchdown where he was wide open. Obviously, Mason Rudolph did not have a huge game on the road. Does it get better for Rudolph going forward? And will Johnson be someone that you can add to your roster if he's out there? See, that, the thing is, that's going to sway everybody. That single touchdown is going to sway everybody this week. But, in fact, James Washington actually played more snaps than Deontay Johnson did last week. But Deontay, like you said, just had that wide-open touchdown that was obviously a blown assignment on the defensive backfield. So he was wide open, got the touchdown. His numbers are inflated because of that. But I think this is going to be a situation where we're constantly going back and forth. I think this offense gets better. Look, James Conner hasn't been doing much. Juju was saved by his long touchdown pass. You know, I think the offense gets better. I think Rudolph starts to get better over time. It's just going to happen. They have too many playmakers. But I think that number two, number three wide receiver thing is going to be a problem each week trying to figure out which one makes the big play. We did see a very good game from Paul Richardson yesterday. We, we've seen flashes from him. Obviously, health's always been a big issue. But this is a Redskins team that looks like it's going to be playing from behind consistently, and we do have bye weeks coming up. Would you consider Richardson in a deeper format? Absolutely. He scored twice in the last two weeks. Like you said, we've seen him flash as a playmaker in this league. The injuries are always the issue, though. He just cannot stay on the field long enough to be pertinent. But right now, he's on the field. He looks healthy. He's scoring. His snaps are going up each week. I say right now, grab him while he's healthy and pray he stays that way. Yeah, I think people with tight end issues are praying that someone comes into their life and helps fill the void. Obviously, there's not much out there. Uh, Will Disley was picked up in a lot of leagues last week. We did see Dawson Knox score a touchdown. Is there any hope for Dawson Knox being someone that maybe becomes fantasy relevant? I like Dawson Knox. He was a kid I liked coming in, into the draft, and you know I thought he, he would do well in Buffalo. He flashed early in spring practices, but then got hurt with that soft tissue injury, and then we didn't really see him throughout the rest of preseason. So he's finally now starting to look like he's finally getting healthy again, and you know he's doing better. He, he's gotten you know four targets in each of the last two weeks, and that's involvement in Buffalo, and you know got the good week this week where he caught three of them for six. With the touchdown. I think he's definitely in play, but don't forget, and a lot of people are, Chris Herndon should be back in week five. He's come, you know, Jets have their bye this week. He's uh, got this last week of suspension, then he'll be back in week five. And this is a guy that I would want to go out over Knox, go out and get Herndon first. A lot of people are going to forget about him this week because the Jets are on bye. This is the perfect time to go get him. You might even be able to get him cheaper. Yeah, I agree. I put him in my waiver wire, too. I actually drafted him in a couple of leagues and actually picked him up after week one because they were kind of deeper leagues, and I didn't want to wait around. But you're right. He's still available in some leagues, and he would be a good tight end. I think people also look at the Jets' offense as a mess, but Sam Darnold could be back in week five. That's right. If not week five, then probably week six, the way he's you know, everybody's talking about him right now. So, yeah, that, again, recency bias comes into play, and everybody says, oh, why do I want Herndon? We got, you know, this young rookie quarterback in there who can't seem to throw the ball down the field. Well, he's not going to be in there for much longer, people. you got to look past the week ahead. How worried are you about Chris Carson right now? I'm a little worried, but I still think – 
I still think he's a guy that they're going to keep coming back to. Um, you know, he's made some mistakes. They'll try and work on that. I think if he puts the ball on the ground one more time, he may be in trouble. But if he can hold on to it from here, they still like this kid. They, they've already come out and said, well, we still trust him. He's still our guy. And I believe that right now. I think it's a good time to go out and buy him low. Yeah, going to be interesting to see uh, for shot Penny's able to suit up this week because they did deviate away from Carson. But Taz, thanks for joining me today again. Want to wish you a happy birthday. So enjoy the rest of your day as you hit the waiver wire. Nah, thank you, sir. I'll talk to you soon. All right, that is Fantasy Taz. Again, you can find him at ffchamps.com. Also, he has a fab article up on fulltimefantasy.com. So you go there now and check that out. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. It is Full Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Back here, full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here for a couple more minutes. Do have some news here on all Sean Jeffrey. He was upgraded to full in practice today. It's only a walkthrough, obviously, on this short week with the Eagles traveling to Green Bay to play in Lambeau Field on Thursday night, but it's looking like we could see all Sean Jeffrey this week. It is a tough matchup, but comes down to who else you have on your roster. And uh, I don't have all Sean Jeffrey in any redraft leagues this year. Might have him in a best ball league or two, but did not get him in any redraft leagues. Uh, real quick, some other running back usage snap percentage from week three to take note of uh, Josh Jacobs, 42%, Jalen Rashard, 49%. Obviously the Raiders were playing from behind and I did see Gruden come out and say that they need to get Jacobs more involved in the passing game. And uh, that's obviously what fantasy owners want to hear because we just haven't seen it. Obviously week one against Denver, that Monday night game, they played from ahead. Jacobs had one reception in that game, but we have seen now a couple games where they have been playing from behind and that you know those are the games you want your bell cow running back to kind of rack up the receptions as they play from behind it's usually ideal and we haven't seen that and we saw Jalen Richard play more snaps this past week so you know Jacobs has looked okay uh, but the volume has gone down because of where they have been in games he had 23 for 85 week one then 12 for 99 10 for 44 this past week and he hasn't scored a touchdown the last two weeks but the receptions he doesn't have a reception in each of the last two games. That is terrible. That is not what you wanted as a Josh Jacobs owner. The appeal was he was going to get the bulk of the touches. So you heard Gruden say that they are going to get him involved more in the passing game. You need to see it because if not, that's really going to hurt his fantasy value, uh, especially in games where they are playing from behind and he's not on the field as much. Austin Eckler, 65%. Justin Jackson, 37%. Justin Jackson has looked good. He's had two touchdowns called back due to penalties this year. So Eckler still is getting the big workload, but Jackson is on the field. And I think this week against Miami, uh, he should be a viable start. So basically call him like a sneaky start this week because if they are able to control that game, you could see a lot of him in the second half. But it's the Chargers, though, man. They don't always get it done when you're supposed to. They kind of leave teams in games. So I don't know if they're going to completely blow them out, but I do think there's enough room for Jackson to be a viable starter this week. Uh, that's for sure. That wraps it up here. You can check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. My waiver wire articles on si.com slash fantasy. I'll be back Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thank you.